Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9. Hi FM, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. And it's great to be with you here this wonderful afternoon. Here at Chabad Seniors Club, we recently started a new exploration that I discussed in a previous session, and that is our new course from the Jewish Learning Institute called My God, Defining the Divine. And what we're doing at Chabad Seniors in the mornings is we're taking the time to explore Judaism's perspective and insight into God. I mean, that's quite a task, wouldn't you say? But ultimately, I think we pray every day to God and we connect to Hashem. Every time we do a mitzvah, we're connecting with the Almighty. That is what we as Jews do. But don't you think it's important for us to have a better understanding of Almighty God, whom we connect with? It's important to deepen that relationship. Human beings have been asking questions about God for millennia. And there are various motivations for our increase into the nature and functioning of the creator of the universe. Maybe we're skeptical, and that's okay. Maybe we're even cynical or agnostic. Perhaps we just simply want to satisfy our intellectual curiosity. But the truth is, even if none of that is accurate, there is an innate human need to really deepen our understanding of God and to to further our relationship, to strengthen it. And the, tr- the truth is, as we will discuss, it's an important Jewish religious endeavor to engage with and understand and connect deeper with Hashem. Because this is the most fundamental of Jewish beliefs, our belief in one God creator of heaven and earth, that Almighty God created this world and we pray to God every day. So it's important that we don't just believe in God, but that we know and that we deepen that relationship. And let's look at this week's Parsha for a moment. Nearly 4,000 years ago, in the faraway deserts of Mesopotamia, an incredibly brave person named Abraham, along with his wife, Sarah, they launched Judaism, the Jewish faith. And think about it. Back then, in a society where belief in divine beings was universally embraced, everyone had gods, the more the merrier. Polytheism was the belief at the time. It was Abraham and Sarah who championed a radically no understanding of a single, omnipotent, invisible God, the supreme being, the creator of heaven and earth. Everything else about Judaism, everything that we know, all of the teachings of the Torah, the mitzvahs, the precepts, our culture, our value system, the entire all-encompassing belief system of Judaism flows from this unique understanding of God as the one creator of heaven and earth. And Avraham and Sarah Imenu are the ones who introduced that to the world at a time when the beliefs were popularly otherwise. But of course, that is our question. What, who is this God who's at the center of Jewish understanding and everything that we do and know? And this is what we're doing at Chabad House. And I invite you, if you are not too busy in the mornings, from 10 to 11.30 a.m., to come join us for this discussion. And over the coming weeks, we will explore God from many different angles. 
specifically, we're going to address various questions, popular common questions that, that people have about God. And by addressing and analyzing these ideas, questions that people ask, for example, what is God? Where is God? Is God male, female? Is God a he, a she, a they, a it? Can God create a rock that he cannot lift? Does God ever make mistakes or change his mind? Why did God create us? Does he need us? Why did God create evil or, or did God create evil? Are we allowed even to question God? Why is God described as wrathful and jealous? Do we need to fear Hashem? Is there proof that God exists? Why, why can't we see him with our own eyes? There's so many more questions, and we're going to address these questions over the coming weeks. And for every question, we will discuss and analyze different answers from Jewish literature, whether it's from the Torah, from the Talmud, from other works. And hopefully this will give us, lead us to a, a fresh understanding about God. And when we understand somewhat more, we could transform our whole perspective and our relationship with Hashem. Because ultimately that's what we're doing here. This is not a act of cynicism or hereticism, if this is such a word. We know that we're created in God's image. And all the information we have about God is in essence a bit of information truly about ourselves as well. Because if we're created in the divine image, then certainly there's a lot we can learn and know about ourselves by knowing more about the image in which we're created. So before we can actually dive into that, there's an important preliminary question that we have to address about ourselves. Not just about satisfying our own intellectual curiosity. Why is this even relevant? Why is it important for us to deepen and expand our understanding of God? What, what reason is it even, for reason is this? And certainly, we're not the first ones to embark on such a endeavor. Because as we're going to discuss, there are many throughout Jewish history including Abraham Avinu, as the Torah tells us in this week and next week's Parshas, he questions and asks God. And we have the same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech and so many others. So while there is a Jewish or religious aspect to this, we have to realize, and in fact, this is probably my disclaimer, is that we can't really know God, right? But God is of incredible interest to the majority of human beings. And it seems that humans are biologically hardwired to believe in God or some kind of higher power, at least, and desire to connect with Hashem. So because of that, and that in itself is a matter of, of, of interest and, and bewilderment to scientists and thinkers for a long time, you know, scientists think that they found the Brain Spirituality Network is an article in Forbes magazine where they discuss this itself. Humans have a sense of self-awareness. We feel important and the need to feel accomplished and achieved. And we look to the heavens. We, we, we explore the spiritual realms to fill that need. To, we, we, we try to find or invent 
a variety of religions that that will hopefully meet that need. Cynics have long claimed that religion is the opiate of the masses. Karl Marx famously put it that way. So for argument's sake, let's say that there's a truth to that statement. What does it prove? It proves that religion fills a basic human need. The masses need for transcendence and meaning. Now, to our knowledge, the cows of the world have yet to create a religion. More importantly, Marx's intention was that religion fills a need for the masses who lead miserable and oppressed lives. And here we sit in the 21st century in the most oppression-free and affluent society to ever inhabit this planet. And the quest for God has hardly abated. People are still trying to fill that need, to understand better, to deepen that connection with Hashem. And whatever the reason for this hardwiring, certainly according to Hasidus, the reason why we have this innate need is our pintalayid, the core of our soul. But one of the upshots of this is that to deny this part of our humanity is actually detrimental to our emotional health. In fact, there's been so many studies in, in uh, neuroscience of spirituality that discuss this very concept, this idea that humans are not only universally equipped with an inclination towards spirituality, but that our brains, when awakened to this drive, become more resilient and robust. There's a book by Lisa Miller. She's a, an award-winning New York Times best-selling author called The Awakened Brain, The New Science of Spirituality and Our Quest for an Inspired Life. And in this book, The Awakened Brain, she talks about how this, this quest, this desire to deepen our spirituality allows us to see the world more fully, not only from a physical, corporeal sense. The human being is always seeking meaning, order, and spirituality. And to know, why are we even here? And ultimately, that leads us to God. Because without God, everything else is essentially random and meaningless. So there's the human appeal to deepening our connection and understanding God. And that feeds into a desire to better understand and to connect with the Almighty. But of course, how about from a Jewish religious perspective? When we explore the divine and we question God, you know, this is actually something that is part of Judaism for millennia. Questioning God, people wonder, is that, is, that, is that considered a weakness of faith? Is that sacrilegious? But as I said, many of our great patriarchs and matriarchs did the same. So should we simply accept the truth of God's existence, God's authority without question or comment? Our sages tell us otherwise. Absolutely not. We need to deepen our understanding of God. We need to probe. We need to explore. We need to question. According to the Tsar, the fundamental foundational text of Jewish mysticism, the Tsar tells us that understanding God to the extent possible, because as I said before in my disclaimer, we can never truly comprehend God. But that is the purpose of our being. The Tsar tells us that the entirety of human existence is to gain intimate knowledge of God's glory. So asking questions about God is 
not just for the atheist or skeptic. If we want to understand God, we pray to Hashem, then who is Hashem? We have to ask the questions that we have of God. We need to question all our assumptions in order to understand or to deepen our understanding of Hashem. And so therefore, Jewish philosophers never shied away from asking and probing, not out of cynicism or skepticism or hereticism, but to deepen their understanding of God, to resolve intellectual difficulties or even discomforts that they may have had. And that's why I say the greatest believers question Hashem. So I can't empirically prove God's existence, and that's not what I'm attempting to do. But certainly, even the greatest believer has questions of God. Famous story of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of when he went to study under the teachings under the great master, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Dovber, the Margaret of Nazareth. And when he returned home, his father asked him, what did you learn there in this new Hasidic school of thought? And he said, I learned that God exists. And his father mocked him and said, what do you mean you learned that God exists? Even our domestic helper, who's not Jewish, also believes in God and asked her, do you believe in God? And she said, of course she does. To which Rabbi Levi Yitzchak responded, she says that she believes in God. But I'm telling you now that I know God. So, in fact, in the first known systematic attempt to synthesize Jewish theology with philosophical teachings is a work by Rabbi Sajagon called Emunas Fideus. Beliefs and Doctrines, and he lived in the 10th century, and he explains in the introduction of his work why it's necessary, why we engage in philosophical and intellectual probes of God, and he gives two specific reasons. He says the first is that we need to study and intellectually understand God because it's not only about belief. Judaism isn't just about blind faith. And though Jewish philosophers attempt to prove God's existence and demonstrate how we could see God everywhere in, in the very intricacies and complexities of the world and the vastness of the universe, and their foundation is absolute conviction. But he tells us, as Rabbi Sajikon explains, is that we need to not just believe, we need to know. Even if we won't truly comprehend and understand God, but still we have to intellectualize. Everyone, even the believer, has to endeavor to understand God. Ultimately, the objective of life is to connect not just with our soul, but with our body, our mind has to also connect with Hashem. Our relationship cannot be one that is just relegated to the soul. It has to be one that resonates with our psyche which even our deep inner heretic inside should appreciate and understand. Our conscious minds, our rational thoughts cannot negate what our souls feel because that would lead to a, uh, <laughs> a struggle of supremacy between the mind and the soul. And therefore, Rabbi Sajigan posits that a harmonious relationship is one in which our soul and mind work in tandem where our mind understands what our soul feels. And only in such a case can we have 
a complete relationship with God, a relationship that encompasses our totality of being. Faith must resonate in our minds and hearts and not exist despite them. So what Rabbi Sadia Gaon is, is telling us is that we have to align our minds, conception of God with our soul's beliefs and convictions. So yes, we have blind faith. First and foremost, we believe, but we also have to understand. And secondly, he says, we also have to equip ourselves in the event that our beliefs are challenged. We're talking about, it could be external challenges, it could be internal. And so asking questions of God is not coming from a place of doubt, of heresy, but rather from love and respect of Hashem. When we love and respect another individual, we want to know them better. And that's exactly the purpose of why we gather at Chabad House in the morning. It's part of a Chabad Seniors Club on Mondays through Wednesdays. And we do exactly this. We probe, we ask questions about God to deepen our understanding of God. And we're going to explore the fundamentals of God's existence by asking so many questions. And there are questions that you might have that we would like to discuss. So please come join us on Monday morning where we will continue with these very questions. We'll be back in a moment with first question I want to ask for today. What is God? We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kibben. Great to be with you here. And now, let me invite you to come join me and many of our Chabad Seniors friends Monday through Thursday at Chabad House in Savoy for our Chabad Seniors Club. Every morning, we have coffee, tea, social time. And what's more, on a Monday morning, we have memory classes with Cynthia Lips. And on Monday afternoons, we have art therapy with Kim Abadi. And every morning, we have a shear with yours truly. And our current topic of discussion is a fabulous JLI course, in the Jewish Learning Institute, which I happen to be the instructor and director here in South Africa, called My God, Defining the Divine. And this course is only available currently at the Chabad Seniors Program in the mornings. If you would like this course to be available at another location or time, then just feel free to be in touch with me. As we discussed in the opening session of today's Soul to Soul segment, we addressed the importance of questioning God and that it's not heresy to do so. And we asked, who is this God at the center of Jewish understanding of everything? In our Parsha this week, Lech Lecha, our patriarch and matriarch Avraham and Sarah listened to God's instruction to go to a land they didn't know. And so when Avraham faced certain challenges, as we know in the story when God wants to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Avraham asks God, perhaps there are some righteous people there in whose merit the city can be saved. We all have questions of God. And the purpose of asking questions is not because 
we mean any disrespect. It's not out of heresy. It's not because we're cynical. Avraham wasn't cynical, nor was Moses. So by asking questions, we deepen our relationship and understanding about God. And we ask these questions because humans are biologically hardwired to believe in God. And so we want to understand this God that we believe in. From a Jewish perspective, we ask questions to deepen our understanding, our relationship with God, because in our relationship with Hashem, our mind, as Rabbi Sadia Gon teaches, must understand what our soul feels. And so blind faith, as special as that is, is not the ultimate ideal in the Jewish perspective. Ultimately, we want to have a deep, meaningful, rational relationship with God with understanding that we ultimately won't understand him. And so, my friends, the story that comes to mind of the very great Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Herditch, who I mentioned earlier about when he started to study the Hasidic teachings under Rabbi Dobre, the Maggid of Mezrich. And in his town of Berdichev, the story goes that there was a Jewish, proud, self-proclaimed atheist who would share with anyone who was willing to hear all of his problems with this cruel, uncaring God and how he was certain that such a God did not exist. You can imagine in those days what a person went through, perhaps orphaned at a young age due to pogroms and Cossacks and all types of other things that could have happened. And this atheist once encountered the great Rebbe Yitzchak. And he started to give him his whole spiel about God and why he doesn't believe in this God. And after Rebbe Yitzchak patiently listened to this man's rant, he responded, actually, my friend, we agree on more than you would imagine. Because, you know, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak said to him, the God who you don't believe in, guess what? I, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev, don't believe in him either. Because sometimes... Before we get to know God, we need to first unknow the God of our current perception. And that reminds me of another Midrashic tale related to this week's Parsha, which gives us a fascinating picture of our forefather Abraham's early years and how we came to discover God. The Torah doesn't tell us too much about Abraham and Sarah's early life. In fact, we read about their birth in last week's Parsha. And then in this week's Parsha, they're already 75 years old. Avram, 75. Sarah, 65. All of a sudden, we're encountering them. What's the story before? Not that much is known, but the Medrash fills in some of the details. And so the Medrash tells us a story about how an Avram's father, Terach, it's important that we know the names of, we know the names of our patriarch and matriarchs, but what about their parents' names? So, Avraham was the son of Terach. Now, Terach had three sons, and Nachar and Haran were the other two, the brothers of Avraham Avinu. But what was Avraham's mother's name? What was Avraham Avinu's mother's name? The Talmud tells us it was Amasla or Amsala Bas Karnava. And so, if that's the case, just important for us to know exactly who our 
patriarchs and matriarchs' parents were. So Abraham's father, Terach, the Medrash says, was an idol manufacturer and vendor. In fact, in the Pesach Haggadah, we say that our forefathers were idol worshippers. Avram, chances are, was an idol worshipper, according to the Medrash. In fact, he was, until he discovered God. And once he discovered God, it was hard for him to convince his parents out of their idolatrous ways. So the Medrash says, Terach once had to go on a business trip, and he left his shop, his idol store, in the capable hands of his son Abe, Avram Avinu. Avram is managing the shop in his father's absence. And so the Medrash says various customers came in throughout the day. And Avram would ask them, how old are you? And they would tell him their age. And when Avram would look at these mature adults, he would say, you poor fellows. A 50-year-old person wants to worship a day-old object, an idol, a statuette. And the person would sheepishly walk away embarrassed by what Avram would tell them. Avram would mock their beliefs. And the Medrash says a woman once came in with a plate filled with fine flour. And she said to Avram, here, take this and offer it to the idols to eat. And Avram instead took a club and he shattered all those idols and put the baton in the hand of the largest one. When his father Terach came back and saw all these shattered idols, he would, he would imagine how angry he became. And he turned to Avram, what did you do to my idols? Avram begins to tell his father a story, a maisala. He says, to be honest with you, Dad, a woman came with a plate to find flour. She asked me to offer this to the idols. And when I put it down, the idols started to fight with each other. This one said, I must be first because I'm the eldest, I'm the biggest. Another one said, no, I must be first because I am more important than you. And then the bully of the idols got up and grabbed the club and started beating the others up. And before you know it, there was a whole brawl here amongst the idols. His father says, hey, hey, Abe, you're mocking me. You think these idols have any awareness of what's going on? To which the Medrash says, Avraham looked at his father and asked, did you not hear what you just said? So this little narrative from the Medrash, giving us a glimpse, a taste of who Avraham was, Thousands of years ago, Avraham Avinu bravely, he bravely rejected the prevailing childish conceptions, the Baba Mises of divinity. He refused to accept that lifeless statuettes made of wood or metal had any powers. And so after deeming these beliefs absurd, Avraham investigated further. He interrogated, he explored until he eventually discovered the one true God, creator of heaven and earth. And that's when he, upon making this discovery, although it was the prevalent belief at his time to believe in polytheism, to worship idols, Abraham went about teaching monotheism to the world around him. And we also need to embark in the same process as our patriarch. So many of the conceptions that many have of God are incorrect or sometimes downright childish and immature. So we need to explore and see what does our religion teach us about God. And the first thing we need to do 
is to perhaps deconstruct our understanding that might be childish and immature. Now, you might be saying to yourself, you know, if we can't truly understand God, then what's the point of this discussion? What's the point of exploring further? And the truth is, we're going to take the next couple of weeks discussing God and investigating and asking questions from so many different angles that there's a lot to say and a lot to ask. But I think the key word is about God. We know lots of things about Hashem, but it's important that we remind ourselves, and I'll keep reminding you, that God is absolutely unknowable. And that's the first thing we need to know about God, that God is unknowable. We won't ever know God. We can know about God. And this is implied in the very name that our sages often use to describe God. In fact, there's many names for God, which perhaps next week we could spend time discussing the various names of Hashem. Why so many names for God? But one of the names used to describe God is HaKadosh Baruch, the Holy One, blessed be He. The word holy, Kadosh in Hebrew, is often used to describe God, also certain people or objects. But what does the word Kadosh actually mean? What does the word Kadosh mean? And the Maharal of Prague has a fascinating insight where he tells us that the term Kadosh doesn't literally mean holy. The word Kadosh is used for an entity that is removed. Now we have to understand that the word Kadosh essentially connotes something that's separate. God is aloof, supreme, superior to the whole world. So if you look at this very etymology, that the root, the sharash of the word, it denotes holiness. And ironically, in the Torah, the very word kadosh could also be used for something that's completely antithetical, being the complete antithesis of holiness. What does the Torah say? There should be no kadesha among the daughters of Israel. There should there be any kadosh amongst the sons of Israel. What does that mean? What is a Kadesha? A Kadesha is a prostitute. So the word Kadosh, although we colloquially translate it as holy, it doesn't mean holy per se. It's not the actual precise meaning. Neither does it mean prostitute. Rather, the etymology of Kadosh means separate, distinct. So it's implying a designation that is separate from one entity and designated for another. So on the negative side, a Kadesha or Kadesh is a person who's designated for prostitution, for harlotry, to the exclusion of leading a moral, ethical lifestyle. And interestingly, the Hebrew word for a for betrothal, for marriage, kiddushin, which is obviously the very opposite of harlotry, it's holiness, but it's called kiddushin. The groom betrothes his bride and designates her as his wife to the exclusion of all other men. So to be holy really means to be distinct, to stand apart. It's dedicated for a particular purpose. 
the entity that is most separate, distinct, apart from this world, and the entirety of the human experience is Almighty God. And that's why one of the names for Hashem is HaKadosh Baruch, the Holy One, blessed be. God is by definition Kaddish, the ultimate distinction, supreme, aloof, separate from all other existences. So that is because we cannot truly comprehend God in our own mind. And, you know, this brings to mind the famous parable of a group of blind men were heard that a strange animal called an elephant had been brought to the town. But none of them were aware of its size, shape, form. So they said, we have to inspect and know and understand what is this elephant. But because they couldn't see, they had to use their other senses. So they went about touching it and doing what they were capable of, capable of doing. So they sought it out and they groped about it. The first person's hand landed on the trunk of the elephant. So he right away very wisely announced this being is like a thick snake because that's what it felt like to his understanding of touching the trunk of the elephant. For another one of these blind men whose hand reached the ear of the elephant, to him it felt like some kind of a fan. A different one, he, his hand wound up on the leg. So he said, Ooh, this feels like a pillar, like a tree trunk. And the one who placed his hand on the side of the elephant said, no, this is a wall. Each one touched something else. Another one touched the tail. To him, the tail felt like a rope. To perhaps another one who felt the tusk, he said, ooh, it feels hard, smooth, pointed. Maybe this is a spear. Now, all these people fell into the trap of conflating things about an elephant with the definition or the essential qualities of what the elephant is. And so my friends, we have to recognize our blindness in this area. Our inability to understand Hashem itself is not because of our limited intelligence, which, okay, granted, we do have a limited capacity of understanding, but because God is essentially beyond being grasped by intellect. So like the fellows in that story of trying to touch the elephant and figure out what it is, ultimately, we are, so to say, groping in the dark as well. There's a famous line that says, God created man in his image, and we returned the favor and created God in our own image. Time and again, we need to stop we need to examine and re-examine many of our conceptions or misconceptions of God and make sure that we're not projecting or simply creating God in our own image. Heaven forbid. We have to realize that, yes, we're created in the divine image. And by understanding God better, we'll understand ourselves better. But oftentimes, we have an immaturish, childish understanding of God. And perhaps that's why, according to Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz of Blessed Memory, he says that we as a nation, as Jews, we have an obsession with idol worship. Now, idol worship not only in the sense of worshiping idols, not only with the sin of the golden calf, as is famously renowned in the Torah. And in fact, throughout Tanakh, we see that 
there were numerous occasions where Jews fell into the trap, literally of idolatry. But idolatry is where we perhaps seek out other understandings. So many Jews are drawn to various faiths and religions. And even in our generation, so many Jews are connected with cults and other belief systems. And many of these new religions to which Jews are attracted and devoted to oftentimes are completely contrary to the Jewish belief system. What is this urge towards foreign gods, towards idolatry that so many Jews find themselves attracted to? We Jews are especially susceptible to all forms of foreign gods, of idolatry. And he explains because we have a great desire for spiritual experiences. Now, you might ask, why don't we turn to our own belief system, to the one God discovered by Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu in our parsha, to the very author of the Torah? But oftentimes, because perhaps people maybe had bad experiences with teachers, and as Jews, we crave spirituality and spiritual experiences. But it's so difficult to relate to a God we don't understand. And maybe that's why when people do not get answers to their questions, they wind up looking elsewhere. So that is the purpose of why we're embarking on this journey, that no one needs to look elsewhere. We can ask the questions, and I don't guarantee you to give you an answer that's satisfactory. I don't guarantee to give you even an answer. I don't know the answers to all the questions. But what we've done in this course is gone through Jewish literature to answer some of the very basic questions that people have about God while understanding that God ultimately is unknowable. We could only understand things about God. And that's what we're going to do is try to just at least address some of those questions about God and deepen our relationship that we have with Hashem. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 IFM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman. And today I'm giving you a taste of some of what we talked about at the Chabad Seniors Club Mondays through Thursdays at Chabad House in Savoy. And all senior citizens are welcome to come join us. As I mentioned earlier, our program is daily, something I missed out on to tell you about besides for the activities that we offer at Chabad House, including memory classes on occupational therapy and art therapy, and Shiur, which is the topic of today's discussion, our current course, My God, Defining the Divine. We also have food parcels that we distribute to hundreds of senior citizens in the community throughout Gauteng. So if you know of a senior citizen in our community who is struggling, then let us know, and we will add them to our list and have our volunteers visit them and bring them food for Shabbos and try to be to uplift them in one way or another. Because actually, as we're talking about the Parsha in today's show here on Soul to Soul, we talked about that the Torah doesn't tell us too much about Abraham in the former part of his life. The Medrash fills in some of the gaps, some of the details. And what's interesting is the Medrash, in fact, based on the Torah verses itself, we understand that Avram was already 58 years old when Noah passed away. Yet we don't see much interaction or any interaction 
between them according to the Torah's narrative. But the Medrash does tell us that once Avram met with one of Noah's sons, Shem, and he asked him, tell me, in what merit were you privileged as a family, the Noah family, to be able to leave the ark, to go back and re-inhabit the world after the great flood? To which Shem responded, it was in the merit of our cure, our sensitivity for the animals during the flood. And that's very interesting. Avram said, if in the merit of their taking care of the vulnerable animals that were susceptible, that were there in the ark, and God cherished it and appreciated it, and they merited to come back into the world, then imagine the care we offer to one another. That we each have the ability to love, to care for, to lend a hand to our fellow human beings. That is something each and every one of us has the privilege and opportunity to do on a daily basis. In fact, if you're looking for another volunteering option, come join our Chabad Seniors Club, whether as a senior or as a volunteer of any age. We have so many volunteering opportunities. All you need to do is reach out to me and I will get you involved, whether it's calling lonely seniors or visiting senior citizens. There are so many other ways you can get involved. Teaching classes, sessions at Chabad, going to retirement facilities and uplifting the spirits of the elderly. There are so many ways you could get involved. And that I invite you to do, to be like Abraham and Sarah, patriarch or matriarch in this week's parsha. Torah tells us, Vayita Abraham ate shell Shavet. Abraham planted a, a shell, which is a particular kind of a tree. But our sages tell us it's also the acronym of the words Achila, Shesia, and Lina. That Abraham and Sarah pitched a tent that was open on all sides, in which they excelled at hospitality, greeting guests, and providing them with food, drink, and opportunity to rest. Each of us can do that in so many ways, whether involving yourself with us at Chabad Seniors or any other of the wonderful organizations in our community that give you the opportunity to help others out. Let's emulate our role models, our patriarch and matriarch, Avram and Sarah, who we live with in this week's Parsha. And on that note, we talked today about our conceptions of God, realizing that perhaps like Avraham, who needed to investigate and explore and discovered the one true God, that we need to embark on that same journey. Because perhaps many of our perceptions are incorrect or even you know, immature and childish. But by asking questions, just like Abraham did, we can get to know God better and have a deeper, more meaningful relationship and understanding and perception about Hashem. And the first point that we need to establish is that we cannot truly know and understand God. And although we know lots of things about God, God himself is unknowable. The essence of idolatry is the attempt to think that we know God, to turn God into something we can understand and relate to, to create God in our own image. And once we realize that that's not the point, but there are so many questions we do have about God. And you can come join us in our morning sessions, Monday through Thursday at Chabad House, 10 a.m. And join us in 
this odyssey, this quest to know God better, to ask questions. For example, this week, just to give you a little taste. And by the way, when you join us, we give you various texts to follow along with. We have videos and PowerPoint presentations to make it multi-sensory and more interesting, engage and evolve. Lots of stories and jokes and insights. So for example, we ask the question, where is God? When you look into Tanakh and Jewish tradition, we find two different depictions of God's location. On the one hand, we're told Hashemayim, Shemayim, Hashem, the God is in the heavenly realms. On the other hand, we know God is everywhere. The whole world is filled with God's glory. So is God here or there? Is, if God is everywhere, why do we say God is in the heavens? And I can't give you all the details in just a few minutes of what we discussed, but we looked through various sources of Jewish literature, through the Mishnah, and through the Medrash, and through the prophets, and we see the various references to God, both here and there. But our ultimate conclusion was that the idea of saying that God is in the heavens is only from our limited perception. Of course, God is in the heavens and on earth. The concept, the idea that our sages tell us is the meaning of that God is in the heavens is that God is just transcendent beyond our comprehension. But at the same time, God is everywhere. God expresses himself within our world through all that happens and all that exists. And so that, in a sense, is the deeper reality that we're trying to understand that God is contained in everywhere. God contains everything everywhere. But ultimately, as Rabbi Mendel of Kutz said, God is where we allow him in. God's presence needs to be felt in our own lives. So we need to deepen our relationship, our connection, and then we will feel God's presence in our life. But I can't do justice to all the fascinating insights and texts that we discovered that we discussed, that we analyzed, that you have to come join us in person for. Here you just get a taste. We asked another question. How did God come to be? You know, you have to, you have to wonder if, if we're to discuss God. You know, if I want to get to know you, we have to understand a little bit about each other. How are we going to get to know God? Now, this question of how did God come to be is a question that perhaps people might wonder. But... It's a silly question because if we can ask who created God, then you might as well ask, and who created the one who created God? And then who created the one who created, who created, 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 Adam Phanida? So we realize that's a question that can only be asked about something that is a creation, not about a creator. And there's a difference between a creator like Steve Jobs or Thomas Edison who created a, the iPhone or the light bulb or the Wright brothers created an airplane. They are creating something from something, whereas God cannot be compared to such a creator. And so those who were able to attend and join our course, we analyzed various, various sources in Jewish literature, from the Torah itself to Maimonides and the Talmud and Nachmanides and so many others in discussing this very notion itself to realize that an effect indicates that there has to be a cause, a creator of it.